This is the Real Magic Podcast. Learn about great design and use it to get great results. Now your hosts, Greg Merrilies and Alan Nunez. Hello, listener, and thank you for joining Greg and I today for the Real Magic Design Podcast, where we try and unpack our experience to help designers and business owners understand how to create amazing designs and work together to make design that's profitable. I'm Alan from Pixel Partners, and here is my awesome co-host, Greg, from Studio One Design. Awesome. I love it. Thank you, Al. Well, you are awesome, Greg. You are. (laughs) Thank you, my friend. How are you been, buddy? What have you been up to? I've just been, you know, refocusing, you know, getting a bit of of clarity. I love both of those words, man. They're powerful words. Yeah, look, there's a there's an awesome book called Built to Sell, and I've oh, yep. I've read it a number of times. But you know, sometimes when you're working in a business, it's very easy to stray. I mean, one of our good friends, James Shramko, um, always says, you know, you've got to lay down the tracks if you want the train to get to the terminal. You know, mm-hmm. and it is very easy sometimes to get off at the wrong stop. Um, and I feel like that at the moment. I just sort of drifted a little bit, so I'm back on the tracks now. You know, we're really just tidying up and refining our product range, you know, doing more of what we're really, really good at and what we really enjoy. Um, and in this case, you know, it, it's around the design work that we do as a wholesale design agency for other graphic designers. And it's about um, focusing on illustrations you know everything from you know icon designs to vectorizing logos that might have been created as a as a raster as a drawing uh, instructional diagrams infographics all that kind of work we just love so we want to do more of it you know so that's kind of that. where we're at at the moment that's excellent and i guess that's a power of having time off you know you've, you've been on vacation and you've come back and you've gone right let's uh tighten up this ship and and do more of what we're good at i reckon that's all Awesome. Yeah, definitely. What about you, man? What have you been up to? Not much this weekend, actually. Daughter's uh, been a bit ill, so uh, just been you know in, uh, stuck in the house. But look, apart from that, we've been doing some pretty awesome work ourselves. And um, yeah, there's one design that we've done recently for a pretty big name. Uh, well, not directly, but it's like his um, his partner. We're talking Tony Robbins. We're doing an AdWords uh, mini site for uh, for you know Tony Robbins's partner, which is pretty freaking cool. Oh, that is very cool. Yeah, and also um, I just wanted to get a bit of clarity around that built to sell book. I've I've read that book as well, man. And for people that haven't, it's it's about creating a business that can thrive without you. In fact, that's like the tagline. And yeah, it's just full of gold, and you know it can really help you get clarity and, and give you that forward momentum. Well, the best thing about built to sell is it's it talks about a design company. So the way the book is written is. The author of the book is telling a story which is an amalgamation of all his experience um, and it just happens to be in and around a design agency. So it's very relevant to all our design listeners. But if you're not a design listener, if you're just a business owner that knows they need great design, there are some great tips in there as far as any business could take on. Yeah, absolutely. And what better time than now with, you know, the cloud? How good is the cloud? You can run a business from anywhere with a team all over the world. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's you know, it really is just about what I was talking about, that, that clarity and focus. Like Built to Sell is about, you know, refining your systems and doing a, a, a heap of what you're really, really good at. And all the other stuff, all the fluff, all the things that as business owners we think we have to do, um, and I'm not just talking about, you know, the unnecessary tasks. I'm talking about the, the products we 
supply and the products that we provide. I mean, I know we always bring Apple up in, in these conversations, but when Steve Jobs came back to Apple, the first thing he did was he cut back the entire product range and just said, well, we either do desktop or we do mobile. Yeah, yeah. You know, so Clarity. keep it simple. All right, so today we've got a topic that is sort of geared more at the designers, but for the business owners listening, you know, this is super important because we're talking design portfolios. We're talking about how to create or what should be in a killer design portfolio. And I guess from a business owner's point of view, when you're looking to hire an expert designer, you know, one of the things you're going to be looking at or should be looking at is their portfolios. We've, we've talked about this in past episodes, you know. So maybe these things, if you see them in a design portfolio, you should, you know, pay a little more attention and, and, and you know, realise the power of, of the time and the effort that the designers put into putting these things in. Mm, that's a good point. I know you've got some really good tips coming up as well that I hadn't even thought of. So, you know, as a business owner, um, if you are looking for a designer, obviously you're going to go to their, their folio first. But uh, what would you say would be one of the most important things to look for in a folio? Well, it depends. I look at the portfolio. What are you looking at? <laughs> Is it folio or portfolio? <laughs> All right. Listen up, please. Right. Greg and I have been having this debate. Go to um, our website and underneath the episode, can you tell us, should it be portfolio or should it be folio? Because we, <laughs> we have no idea. We need somebody to clear this up, okay? But either way, he'll, I'll talk portfolio, he'll talk folio, and we mean the same thing. <laughs> so sorry, what was the question, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is the most important thing or element or whatever to, that you should have in a folio, a killer folio? Look, you know, I actually don't think it's it's one thing. Okay, look, firstly, right, if you're going to have a, a, a folio, right, design it relevant to your brand identity. Mm-hmm. I, I know that sounds silly, but, I, I, you know, I often see people showcasing their work as a designer, and what they've done is they've designed their portfolio, but it doesn't necessarily clearly align with their brand goals. They may be... You know they want to put they want to showcase that they can design by designing their portfolio. I'm a, I'm a fan of keep it simple, and stick really close to your branding. Yeah, so keeping it relevant. So meaning, for instance, if you, I mean, you know, it might be a student that's looking for an employer, or it might be a business looking for more clients. But if you can put everything that your team's capable of, but it's not really relevant to the purpose of that client or or employer, then they don't want to see that. So you know, at least if it's an online folio, at least segment your work into categories so they can find what they're after easily. Well, online or offline, keep it coherent with you as a brand or your your design agency as a brand there's a great designer in in the u.s that that we've done some work with and you know his website is his portfolio right and when he started designing it you know he was designing the website but what ended up happening was he had to sort of take a step back and think well does this website actually represent my brand as a designer you know he was probably over designing it a little bit sure all right, so how about this, right? Why don't we take turns, right, and hit one thing that we... Because I don't think there's one thing in a portfolio that's important. I think they're all important. Um, but let's let's just hit one each and chat about it, right? So here's one that I know we both agree on, right, which is keep your portfolio current. What do you think of that? Oh, absolutely, man. If, uh, if I see a folio... I mean, we advertise a lot for designers, and if I see a folio... 
you know, that's even say two years old and we're talking websites here. So when you're designing a website and if it's say two or three years old, it's a real huge difference in what's, uh, you know, what you would design today. So uh, yeah, if it's not current, we won't even look twice at them. Yeah, look, and from a business owner's point of view, I see this all the time when I look at design agencies and marketing agencies, you know, they might have done work for some really, really big brands. But the last time they did work for that brand was 10 years ago. Right? Yeah. And they still have you know companies we work for and they'll have that, that logo there. And in their portfolio, they'll show that, that job. And it may have been an unbelievably innovative job. It might be <clears throat> a fabulous design. But if it is dated, it's going to, I personally think, is going to be detrimental to your portfolio. Yeah, well, absolutely, man. It's got to be completely current and relevant. So how often do you update your portfolio? All the time, like um, literally every week. Nice. Yeah. What about you? Well, we don't. I mean, we've taken design as a service and turned it more into a product. So for us, it's more about our product gallery in our, oh, in yeah, our shopping cart site. And we try and use, because we can't actually show our clients' work, Right, that that or some of them we can. We ask permission to do it. We have a little bit of a harder time with that. So what we try and do is we, we're very strategic about picking images um, that are not, or, or we're picking samples that are that are a little more timeless. Yeah, sure. That's a good point. We don't put the work that we're working on until it's live in our folio. So if we're doing a website that's, um, you know, we may have designed it four weeks ago. Um, if the client doesn't have it live on the web, we won't put it in our folio. Mm. Yeah, good point, good point. All right, what's your next one? Yeah, cool, man. So I would definitely make sure you have the IP rights on everything that you put in your folio. For instance, like if you have designed, you know, in one of those design contests, for instance, there's a really good chance if somebody's chosen that design, you don't have the IP rights. So you really shouldn't put it in your folio unless you have permission to. And that goes for, you know, any type of design that you've created. You really need to make sure you have the rights from the clients to put it into your folio. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I put into my terms and conditions both for photography and for design that we retain the rights to use those images or those designs for our own promotion. Promotional uh, purposes, but yeah. Now that we've gone wholesale, I don't. I will not just publish something. I will still... Even though I've written it into the terms and conditions, I will always ask permission, you know, nice, and yeah. especially being wholesale because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of our clients are designers. So I don't want to tarnish their reputation. I mean, their reputation is on the line and a lot of people are expecting that they're doing every iota of the work. But the reality is that designer doesn't need to, you know, roll out the 15 different colours of the packaging design. Right mm. of that product, so he does all the core creative. We're just his extra set of hands, so we can't yeah. we can't publish that saying that it that it's our own. Um, although we do, you know, make sure we have things like that in our terms and conditions. Nice. You just made me realise. Um, I, I see a lot of folios where people do put in five or six colourways of the same design, and when you're flicking through a folio like that, there's nothing more annoying. So just be, you know, keep it to one design or one one colourway of one design, unless the Colours were exceptionally relevant. You know what I mean? Like we did some packaging design years ago where um, the way we highlighted the different colours of the product was exceptionally unique. It was very clever design. Then then have 
the variation so people can see it. So, Well, yeah, if you're talking about creating a family of designs, whether it's, um, you know, it could be food packaging where you have different flavours, et cetera, then, yeah, you probably want to show the, showcase the whole range. But, um, yeah, this, for instance, the, one, <laughs> the example that I'm thinking of, this person obviously submitted, you know, five different colourways of the same design to the client. It was for a website, so there was no real purpose. But he put them all in his folio. So. Oh, no, well, just pick the best one. Just exactly. All right, so here's my next killer tip. Show before and after. I love that, man. Yeah. Seriously, if, you're, if your client had existing branding and you redid the branding, show where they were and show where they arrived. You know, if they had packaging, show where they were, show where they arrived. If they had a website, show where they were and show where they are now. I mean, my concept on that is the viewer of the portfolio, if you do that, they can put themselves in those shoes. They can look and go, wow, my site looks pretty average. I want it to look as good as that guy's ended up looking. Yeah, absolutely. And when we run webinars, that's what we have in there, before and afters. And, you know, we get the most comments about the before and afters than than anything else. So that's a golden tip. Yeah, do you have before and after on your portfolio online? We will on our new site. (laughs) (laughs) We've got one in development, but it's not out yet. But our current site, no, absolutely not, not yet. Okay, do you have another one or do you want me to hit you with another one? Because I've got one kind of related to that. Yeah, go for it, man. Okay, so we, we talked about having before and after. Now, if you don't have a before and after, right, then showcase the design brief, right? Uh, maybe not word for word, but summarise what you were given as far as um, what the client needed and required and then show what the finished product was. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, you wouldn't want to bore them with the entire brief, would you? I mean, no, not, like... not at all, not at all. You just want to come out with the key highlights, what they wanted as an outcome. Like an example would be if you were designing a website and that person did not have a website at all, or that example you used for the, the, the Tony Robbins landing page, right? Yep. Well, there was no existing landing page that you were rebranding as such, right? So it wasn't like they were in a bad place and they had to get better. But they would have had very specific requirements. Like, what were you designing? I was designing a landing page for a Google AdWords campaign. The goal was to convert XYZ, you know, showcase the video, whatever it is. Because then they can read down those bullets and then look across and go, wow, you really achieved what they required. Mm, yeah, yeah, good point. So just bullet it out, keep it simple, but make um, yeah, make sure that it's a description that the design shows how good the result can be from the description so people get why you did what you did. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool, man. Yeah, nice tip. So, yeah, another one would be to show the you know the original roughs or sketches if if, especially if it's um you know it might be a product or or a character or something like that Um, if you can show the roughs at the start and maybe the whole flow from the start to the end uh, it's just another way that it you know it really shows the thought process that went into it oh look you know i i actually quite like that you know you said use an example of somebody who must have you know supplied five different colorways for for a website and there was no purpose to that right mm-hmm. but i i used to showcase when we used to do a lot of branding work what we would do is we would actually show the brief we would show the top two uh, sorry the the sketches that we did for the concepts then the um the final logo 
and then yeah. the logo in context. So how the logo looked on their signage, how it looked on their vehicles, T-shirts, packaging, etc. Right. So it is. It's it's almost like look. I, I like in a portfolio to try and tell a story of that design. Yeah. I was just thinking that then. Yeah, you could really see the story in the development. Yeah, and, and don't forget, a lot of people who are looking for design maybe don't understand the process. So you're showcasing how that you got from the brief to the finished product. Uh, I mean, you don't want to go through every step. I mean, it can be quite tedious and monotonous, but the, the key milestones, you know, what, what, what the, the thought process was is phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. And geez, how good do some of those initial sketches look? And you can just tell that it's, you know, it's the raw thoughts of the designer that have gone into it. Sometimes I I love those sketches more than the finished product. Oh, I love them. I love them. I mean, there's a, you can actually, um, uh, there's a couple of websites out there that show the original sketches of some of the big brand logos and and how they were developed. Uh, I'll see if I can find the link. I honestly don't know if I've still got it bookmarked, but if I can, I'll try and get it into the show notes. But yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, one of the things that that we implemented with Pixel Partners was that before you started on the Wacom tablet or or clicking the mouse, you had to sketch something, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think it's just such a great place to start. And the the client doesn't always get to see those sketches. Do you, when you sketch something, I mean, I know it's not necessarily relevant for websites, but when you sketch something out, do you show the clients your sketches or is that more for your creative team? It's actually I, I sketch a lot for my team. You know, we still do other things other than websites. But um, yeah, there's instances where I just need to get my idea across to them. So I'll just sketch it out, just really rough. But it's more internal for the team to use. Do you okay? Do you do that on paper or do you do you do it? Yeah, on paper, on paper. Then just take a photo of it and put it online. Yeah, it, it's interesting actually because my guys have two. Um, ways that they do it. One is on paper, right? And then they take a photo with the iPad or iPhone and, and upload it so that they can share it with the team and get feedback. Yeah. Um, but they've started using um, paper by 53 on the iPad. Ah, it nice. is absolutely killer. If, you, if you're a designer and you haven't played with it, it is phenomenal. The, the app is free and they give you like one pen with the app as in like a virtual pen. And then what you can do is I think for five bucks, you can buy the full suite of pens and you get like a pencil, uh, a texture, a paintbrush, um, a watercolor, and you can actually mix your colors. You can, the, the pencil actually draws like a pencil. It's just so good for sketching concepts and you can rewind with it which is very cool right uh-huh, so if you sketch nice. out an area and go oh that's almost perfect but not quite right you can actually rewind your sketching back to that point where you want to take it up from yeah that's powerful and so what then can you like if you send it to you know up to the cloud or whatever is it high res or is it just the resolution of the ipad ah uh, good question i'm not sure okay um but you, yeah so you can email it as an image it's decent quality it's, it's more than enough for concept sketches yeah, cool. You know, yeah. and, that, and that's what it comes down to is that these art concept sketches. Um, so the last time I went over there, which was in November, um, I'm probably dating this podcast now, but you know, the last time I went over in November, the, the couple of things that the guys were asking for was more iPads, right, so that they could just grab one and, and start sketching. And then I also took them over a big stack of different types of pencils so that they could really... They had a lot more flexibility with their sketching and, and colours, so now they can pull out pencils and try and get the right colour combos um, in their sketches at that time. 
rather than just, hmm. just a, you know, a 2B pencil. Yeah, nice. Nice tool. All right, Matt. So um, what else should you do? What else should you put in your folio? I think, um, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, we encourage is don't watermark your images. There's, you know, obviously a purpose and a place for a watermark uh, over an image, but definitely not in your folio. Well, hang on a minute. Don't watermark across the middle of the image. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, sorry, let's get some clarity. You yeah. can put it in the corner. I think I think there's a couple of things with watermarking. I think you should, in today's day and age, you should at least have some kind of hook on the actual image that you're loading to your online presence that has your company name and website, right? Because people share images and you want to make sure that there is a way for them to find their way back to you if they find your design. But it should be subtle. It should be elegant. It should be in the bottom part of the image. And then, you know, on top of that, you should virtually watermark your images. You know, get into the metadata of the image and make sure that embedded in the image is your copyright and your website so that if people are stealing your images, there is a way to, to find it. So how do you uh, get in and, and put the metadata in your images? Look, I mean, tools like Bridge and Photoshop can very easily allow you to do that. You can also do it while uploading with a lot of uh, CMS websites. I would encourage you to do it off the web right so do it when you save the file because it's embedded in the back of the file Mm -hmm. yeah and and that still does even once you've loaded it into the cloud into your your hosting it retains that metadata in the file and google actually reads it yeah i find bridge is the best actually it just it has a lot more a lot more flexibility and a lot more you can put in there than say photoshop well, no, they've both got the same. Is it the same fields? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's that's the the metadata for the for the file. It's just easier in Bridge, Bridge because you just open the metadata window. Uh, okay. And all the business owners just glazed over and fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> business owners, let's say you see an image of something that's phenomenally designed, right, and you're not sure where it came from have a look at the properties of the file. You might actually find in the back of the properties of the file who the designer was, and you can go and, and hire that designer to do that work for you. Hmm, sneaky. I love it. Well, no, it's not, yeah. I mean, it's not sneaky. It's just like people don't know. They, they look at it and go, oh, I love that image. I wish I could have that. But they have no idea where to start. Mm-hmm, true. So, I mean, that's another good tip, though. If you're looking at somebody's folio, maybe grab their folio image and, uh, you know, do some research on it and find out if it is theirs because... You know, I find, especially with web design, that the designers will often use other people's work. So, you know, you can't always trust what you see in a folio. Oh, that that's a really tough topic. <laughs> I'm going to say that, that more often than not, designers would not actively display other people's work. I would say the majority of them won't, but, you know, I have seen it. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, look, here's a tip, right? Grab an image from a portfolio, save it to your desktop, open Google Images, like a Google search, but click on the Images tab and actually drag the image into the search box and it will go and tell you all instances of where that image is shown. Online, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Great tip. Yeah, cool. So um, don't watermark across your images, but definitely, I believe, brand your image you know, have the hook back and virtually brand it as well, virtually watermark it. You know, make sure the metadata is 
filled in. You know, another thing, we talked briefly about the design flow and, 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 you know, going from beginning to end, but I think a portfolio should tell a story about that design. We did just sort of mention it, but, you know, what about the results? You know, if you are lucky enough to be able to get some kind of data back from your client as far as results of a particular design. So let's say you designed a campaign um, for a live event, you know, was it a sellout? Did they have to put on a second event? You know, if you design a website, did their conversions increase? If you design a Google display ad, what was the click-through rate? You know, like, why not ask the customer, ask the, the client, you know, look, once we're done with this job, can I check in with you in six months and find out how it went for you? Yeah, so show the results. That's a great tip. We've done that, well, once again, with our new design. But the, I guess the only issue with that, it's inconsistent because we don't have data from every client because, you know, often when they when we just designed a website, they don't have enough results at that point. You need to wait at least a couple of months. So, yeah, it's kind of when we were deciding whether or not we should put comments in from clients, um, it's just too hard to, to be consistent to have them in all of them. So we decided not to do it. But it's a great tip. But why not just set it as a trigger in your automation at the end of the job, six months later, send them a follow-up? Yeah. Well, you know, now that now that we have this amazing automation tool, Infusionsoft, that is one of the sequences that we are going to set up with a trigger just like that to get feedback. Well, how about this, right? For those who don't have an automation tool, if you're using Google Apps for Business, right, you can get a plugin called Yesware, which can trigger a reminder from an email. So what you do is you would... Type an email to your client at the end of the job. Hey, look, just thanking you for the work. Just letting you know, one of the things that we're really focused on is getting feedback and and making sure you're getting the results from your design. I'm going to touch base with you in six months, right? And just at the bottom where you hit send, it puts a reminder. And you can say, remind me or bring this email to my attention in six months. You put the date in and you click send and you just set and forget. And in six months' time or whatever date you delegate, that email will pop back into your mailbox, as a reminder. Great tip, Al. You've, geez, you've got some awesome tips this episode, buddy. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just full of it. Oh, sorry, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, so tell the story and tell, tell the results wherever possible. And I look, Greg, I just think that, you know, the excuse of, oh, we don't get the information is only because we don't ask for it. Often people don't ask for for a, a testimonial even, which, you know, I find odd. I ask every client because I think it's absolutely gold for getting more clients. Yeah, and I bet you're going to put that in your automation. <laughs> yes, that is definitely part of it. <laughs> you got it. What about... Um, offline. Well, I was going to say offline versus online. Okay, my thing is print the portfolio, right? Like, seriously, it's... It's not that hard today, and it will set you apart from other designers, right? Mm -hmm. So these days you can very easily make coffee table books, really beautifully bound albums and things like that, and you can do them as one-offs, you know, so one or two-offs. So why not once a month or once a quarter or whatever you define, print your portfolio, right, make a couple of copies, date it, Put it on a shelf. It's going to look cool if somebody ever comes into your office and sees all your monthly portfolios for the last couple of years. But if you've got a red-hot client, right, um, that's worth a lot to you, why not post them that book? Give them something tangible to look at. 
the the only thing is, I mean, it's a bit of an expense, but I mean, you know, even if it was twenty dollars, the point is, you could also do it cheaper. Like if you are, you know, prospecting and you find a client that you think would be ideal and your your folio would be completely relevant, then you could potentially just do a mini folio and post them that. That would be something that could fit in an envelope, for instance. Absolutely. Well. I mean, look, it doesn't have to be huge and it doesn't have to be a massive expense. And obviously, it's got to be strategically used, right? Like, you're not going to send out a $30 or $40 printed hardcover coffee table book to somebody who wants a business card design, <laughs> right? But if you, you know, if you're going for, you know, campaign work for a major retail chain for the next two years, well, it's not a big expense if you get the job. And if it sets exactly. you apart from everyone else who's just sending an email link... Which it will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, but also, too, let me just... On that note, what do you think about having your portfolio displayed in various places online? Oh, okay. Like, um, so on your site and then various other folio sites or... Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of design portfolio sites. There's Pinterest, you know, Facebook. I mean, you can have a, a page for your portfolio in Facebook. Mm, um, yeah, I so... mean, do you think... Do you think you should be showing all your work in all of those places? Oh, absolutely. The the more places you can get noticed, the better. Um, you know, we use Pinterest for one of our sites for our entire folio, and we drive a lot, like a ton of traffic from Pinterest, like thousands per month to this one site through our folio on Pinterest. So, yeah, it's absolutely well worth it. Yeah, so get it out to as many places as you possibly can is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is that what you do? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, we don't, again, we're kind of stuck because we can't, because of the wholesale nature of what we do, we can't display a lot of that work. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So again, we're trying to come up with strategies that allow us to show the quality of what we do without divulging who our clients are. Yeah, yeah. It is challenging. It's very challenging. Sure. Well, look, I think we've covered a lot today on, uh, you know, folio preparation. There's no doubt about it. So have you got any other tips? Well, okay. So so let's just, I think everything we talked about makes sense to the designers, right? So let's just really quickly, if you're a business owner, right, what do you want to look for in a portfolio? Like when somebody comes to look at your work, what do you want them to see? Are you asking the listener or me? I'm asking you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, we want them to see, um, you know, quality designs that uh, do get a good result and how can we display that unless there's a testimonial or a results section from the client. So great tip, Al. And and just, you know, obviously a lot of social proof on the site as well, but that's a different topic. But, yeah, we do want them to see quality design that's current and relevant to to their business. Yeah, so I would say... Yeah, if you're hunting for a design and you're looking for a portfolio and you see something you really like and it's not necessarily dated or you can't identify that, ask the designer, when did you do this design? You know, like it's a simple question to ask. You know, look for before and afters, you know, or ask the designer. Say, listen, this looks really great. Was this a new design? You know, so I think all the things we talked about that should be in that killer portfolio, you know, the, the, the design flow, the, the design brief, telling the story, if it's not there, maybe ask for it. You know, ask the designer, can you tell me more about this job that you did? Good point, because every business on every job will have a history of that job. So, And we have been asked that a couple of times, I must admit. So, yeah, great tip to, to have it in there, displayed publicly. Well, um, but if it's not, what I'm saying is if you're a business owner and you're looking for a designer, it's not displayed 
publicly. Public yeah, you can ask them, yeah. Definitely, definitely ask them. You know, dig mm. a little deeper because, you know, I think I mentioned in a, in a previous episode, you know, I have a real gripe with portfolios and people selecting photographers and designers based on portfolios because just about any photographer or designer can show 20 great designs, mm-hmm. right? But that doesn't tell you how smooth was the job? Did that design or did that photo achieve the design brief? You know, um, did this take, you know, 12 days, 12 weeks or 12 months to produce? You know, all sure. these things are important. And if you don't get a feel for the whole workflow in the portfolio, then ask the questions. Yep. Yeah. All right. So what's your killer tip for this week, uh, Greg? Update your folio. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if it hasn't been updated, uh, in my opinion, in the last month or at least the last quarter, you really should update it. Um, yeah, what about you? I think, you know, go go wide with your portfolio. Just stack that information in there, you know. Don't just put your top 10 fanciest-looking designs. Be objective, you know. Put designs in that the client wants to see. It's not a. It's not all about you, the designer. It's about the client and their results. So show results, show befores and afters. You know, explain what the design was about and why it came out that way. And I think you'll get more work from your portfolio. Well, that's a good tip. So yeah, look, awesome episode. Al. I've certainly learnt a lot. Um, I am going to, as I said, we've got a new website coming out with more information in our folio. But certainly, um, yeah, some extra tips in there that I'm going to consider before we release the new edition folio thank you oh that's all right that's just going to take longer for your site to go up now isn't it (laughs) (laughs) no it's in development so it's all good yeah good timing mate greg it's been awesome chatting to you today greg look one of the things that that we would really love is for the listener to let us know what topics they'd like us to to talk about you know so please go to our website and leave comments um, or send us an email via the contact form and tell us the topics that you'd like us to talk about Absolutely. And let us know if you're a designer or a business owner. I think on the, the contact form, it actually does ask. It asks because we, we do talk to both and we want to help both. Um, so make sure you do. You populate that bit and tell us whether you're a designer or a business owner because you know when, then we can make future episodes really relevant to you. Exactly. That's our goal. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Go to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. That would be awesome. Go to our website and leave us comments. And say hi to us if you see us in the street. (laughs) Take care. Thanks, Greg. See you, mate. See you, listener. Thanks for listening to The Real Magic Podcast. Hear more at therealmagic.com.